Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today, and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we'd invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. Okay, so this is week number one in uh, Malachi, or as we keep uh, joking about uh, Malachi, uh, the Italian prophet, and uh, only four chapters here, and we are in the home stretch at last, man. I don't know how long we've been in the minor prophets, but it's been been a while. It's been quite a journey. Uh, had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of a lot of depressing things we've been reading about, but here we are in the home stretch. So uh, we have uh, with us Johnny. V, Lenny, Ben, Dave Lamana, and we have special guest Mark DeRay with us. Welcome, Mark. So glad to have you here, man. Um, Mark was uh, actually with us in the early days, or kind of the earlier days of, of this group, but he's been um, been running like a madman. And yeah, <laughs> just these... running all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it that he did like walk a mile on the first day of the month, and the second day of the month walk two miles, yeah. and the third Run. day? Was that? Oh, run. Run a mile every for every uh, calendar day. You do the amount of miles corresponding with the day. So one, one, two, two, fifteen, fifteen, thirty. 30. So did you do it in February? So that you did it on twenty eighth. <laughs> <laughs> did it in April. Oh, so so thirty. So thirty. Okay. <laughs> now, is it consecutive, or did you do like do a mile, take a break, do another mile? I did. Sometimes I would do them straight. Sometimes I'd break it up. Like I did. 28, 29, and 30 straight, 14, 24. Mm. Sometimes I'll do 10 and 10, 15 and 3, yeah. like, you know, okay. whatever you got to do. Yeah, I remember when, when when we were in lockdown, we had one of our uh, our uh, meetings over Zoom, and, and he called in, and he's like, oh, he's out running. there on the, on the road. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, Sorry, that's guys. one way to do it. So, anyway. Got a, got a quota to meet. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> You guys are important, but not that important. So um, anyhow, we're glad to have you back with us today, Mark. So, uh, But we are in uh, Malachi, so I'm just going to open it up for anyone who, uh, anything stand out to you as we've been reading and discussing this stuff? Well, the first thing is, you know, just to put some historical reference on it, Malachi, it, it varies depending on where you read, but somewhere between 475 in 400 BC was when this was written. That that would be, be you know during a time of ne- Nehemiah. Could have been when Nehemiah was away, or could have been during Nehemiah's second term as governor. But let's say somewhere between 475 and 400 BC, and that'll be important later. Mm-hmm. I'll relate it to and once we finish this. Yeah, because after this we kind of have like the. Uh... I don't know what they call it, but like the the silent years where it's like you go from well, well yeah, not it, much written. But so. th- we can we can. I'm going to tie that. It's funny okay. You well, we say don't it. have I'm to jump into t- that yeah, yet. So. Yeah, I'm going to tie that in when we okay. get there. Yeah, I, yeah it, I came out. You know, I started looking at Matthew, and I said, okay, let me see what the tie-in is here. But yeah. the message for me, the message and purpose of Malachi that I could see to start with, there's several messages, and I would certainly be anxious to hear what everybody else says. But first, it's almost an indictment 
uh, indictment of the Israeli people, and we, here we go again, we're, we're, we're getting indictment. Well, what was going on was Malachi, uh, another important thing, though, side note is Malachi, and you probably all read this, the, uh, I think translated the messenger is yep. his name, right? Yep. Okay, and that's important. We'll talk about, I'll talk about that later, too. <laughs> but Malachi was faced with the failure of the priests of Judah, as we read in here, I'm not going to give a specific verse. You, you, you guys could come up with that. Uh, and, and, you know, so all these priests, they were failing. They were failing themselves. They were failing the people. And most of all, they were failing God. You know, they failed to fear, fear the Lord. And, and, uh, and, and they failed to serve the people the people of Israel in, in a conscientious way during some difficult times that they were going through. And what happened was, from what I could read here in some of the historical context, was because the priests failed, and remember, the position that priests held back then was, you know, of, of, of high importance, and because they failed, not only themselves, but the people, the people became indifferent. And, and they, you know, you had, you know, they, they start, first of all, the priests were, as we read in here, and you guys can get specific on it, uh, the, the, the priests were offering... Uh, to God, uh, you know, uh, defective animals uh, and, and, you know, impure sacrifices. And then the people themselves becoming indifferent to God because the priests were, well, if they are, then we could. Um, they, they did bad things like they divorced their wives. Uh, they, they married foreigners. Uh, uh, they started sinning in a lot of other ways, too. And I'll leave it at that. But that's the context for me. This this indictment that Malachi that got, that God is speaking of through this person Malachi, right? Yeah, you know, in verse two, it it uh, the first half of it kind of just sounds like like something that happens today, where it says, you know, it says I have always loved you, says the Lord, and then the New Living it says, but you retort, really? How have you loved us? And you know, I've had similar conversations with people like that, talking about how, hey, Jesus loves you or God loves you. It's like, really? It's like, prove it. You know, it's like they don't really believe um, his love for them. And, and that's kind of where, where these people are, too. And then he goes on to describe how, <clears throat> how he loves them and how he's kind of separated them and set them apart and, and whatever. But so many of you people in our world today, they question God's love for them, you know, and, and very similar ways there yeah when, when when we are feeling down when we are at our lowest point when 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 everything is going wrong when we feel like we're sinners and there's no recourse and we have no hope just as it says here in malachi and as judah said relating it to the present to us in spite of the people's sin back then and they're turning from god in spite of our sinning and being at our lowest point god's love is always still alive for us. And that's how people are saved. That's how they are lifted up and saved. Because God's love is always there. It's always alive. Yes, sometimes you see um, people who believe in God when they're going through suffering of any kind. Like just yesterday, I was um, I was tattooing one of my regular clients now. And she was telling me, she works um, in like nursing homes and sometimes people get you know sick and they die. And she was saying how there's a, a, a person, some person named Ruby, a, a younger person who's dying in their 20s and um, who believes in God. But right now is like, where is God? Like, how come God, you know, people are praying for me. How come I'm not getting healed of this cancer? And like, like, how come I'm in all this pain? And, 
and mentioned to my client, like they feel like God is punishing them and they don't know for what, you know? So it's like, it's easy to get focused on the pain or the suffering when you haven't trained yourself to endure suffering or when you, or, or when you haven't put your faith and trust in God alone. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I'm 39 now and I'm just starting to learn this now with how God is training me to trust him. When I'm going through a hard time or I'm suffering, God is the, the place that I run to, to experience joy and peace and love in, in the midst of the chaos or the midst of the suffering or the midst of the storm. And I could be going through an incredibly hard time, but when I close my eyes and I spend one-on-one time alone with Jesus or the Holy Spirit or God or all three of them, when I'm in their presence and I make myself aware of their presence, which is always around us, but when I become in tune with them, it doesn't matter if, the, if, if I'm in a burning building. I know that all of a sudden I feel like this calm, this peace, this tranquility, this, this love, this, that God does care for me and that he's going to pull me through this, let's say, this burning situation or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, coincidentally, last night Mark and I were talking on the phone and you had mentioned all of those characteristics and, and that is a feeling of joy and peace. And we were talking about that. And I alluded to your, your seminar series, Finding Joy, I believe it is, right? Yeah. And you had mentioned, Jude, about people you know, get happy. And I was talking, Mark and I were talking last night and says, we can do things. We can get a new house, a new car, a new job, things that are temporary that make us happy for a moment, but we really don't experience that true happiness or really that true joy that you're talking about, Johnny. And, and, and I want to get that. And Mark and I were talking about last night, says, what do you do? You got to get rid of all these distractions. And, and as Judah was saying in that seminar that, you know, to find true joy and peace, you don't need everything that this world offers or that it shows you that you got to have all these distractions, all these things, this, 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 to fill up your voids, what you think you're filling up your void. And it doesn't do it. It doesn't fill it up. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't give you the joy, as you said, John, Johnny, that you get when you seek and find God. Yeah, but it's, it's, something, it's something that people have to do on their own. Like, you can't teach somebody to get to know God and to trust God. You can't, you, like, someone has to, like, you have to do it all by yourself. And we live in a world where there's a tutorial online for this. Or you go to YouTube and you can, you know, watch a video on how to fix that. Or maybe you go and you pay for, you know, therapy or a counselor. Or you have, like, a mentor or, or an apprenticeship or, or an internship. Something like, there's always somebody holding your hand in this world. Yeah, yeah. But when it comes to your walk with God, you have to do it on your own. Well, but that's where discipleship comes in. Well, that helps. That fellowship is huge, and discipleship is huge. But at the end of the day, unless you are, like, curious about God, if yeah. you're like, well, let's do a little bit of digging on my own, yeah. you're never going to bump into the person who can disciple you or Yeah, scriptures. you have to make it your own. But, yeah, I mean, that's all I'm saying. But, yeah. you know, we, we do. There is a, a, a place for the discipleship where we are mentoring and guiding or being mentored and guided or we co-mentor and guide each other, you know, even in contexts like this, you know, where we, you know, inspire each other it's like you know as we study scripture together it uh it provides a certain level of motivation for us to make sure that we're in god's word and we're I have bad news. Anybody looking to get the ultimate guide to the Bible, the IGA stopped selling it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, we're done. Yeah, we're doomed. Uh, oh, no. Christianity as we know it is collapsing Jesus, now. come quick. <laughs> no. 
Well, that's, a, that's another thing, too. You see this in, in Malachi, in this book that we're talking about, is, you know, it's talking about, you know, um, the great day of the Lord, you know, a little bit later on in the book, and it talks about love and hate. And I did want to address, address that. Love, we know that uh, in English, we have one word for love, right? It's like, I love my wife, I love my mom, I love pizza, I love my dogs, I love my cat, whatever. It's, and those types of love, they're not equal. And we know that in the Greek, there's, what, four or five different words to describe different types of love. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot easier to put your finger on versus in English, it's just it has to be the context. Mm. You have to know what someone is saying. Right. Um, and it also talks about hatred in the Bible. And when I was first reading scripture, like the Bible, I was like, what do they? What, what do you mean God hates? I, th- I thought everyone, all these, you know, Christians were all like, Jesus is all about love and God is love and all this stuff. What do you mean he hates this? Or what, what do you, like, like I, I believe it's Malachi, what, uh, right there, in, it's like 1-3 maybe? Let's look at it. Um, where he says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. Like, what do you mean you hated Esau? Is, isn't he a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or I shouldn't say of Jacob, but, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean, of Isaac? So how could God hate one of his chosen people? Right. So you have to look at it and, like, and ask yourself, you can't just, like, let that just fly. So what, what, what does the Bible mean? What does God mean when he says hate? And what I was able to unearth doing a little bit of digging is that when they use the word love, it's like God action, like, Agape, right? Like the Greek word, or, or, or agape, which is like to physically go and do something, an a-, a love action. And hatred is more like to not do the action of love, meaning like God cares for Jacob, and he doesn't care for Esau. And caring is one of those things that you can do, where you can physically go and care for somebody, you know? So that's just one thing that I wanted to address, because it's really easy to read something as strong as the word hate. In our culture, hate is like this big, it's almost like taboo. It's like if you hate somebody, you're like, you know, you're like a Nazi. Or if you hate somebody, you're like a racist. But if you look up the actual English dictionary definition of the word hate, it just means a strong or passionate dislike. And if anybody has the right to hate, which just means, again, to passionately or intensely dislike something or someone, God most certainly has the authority and, and has the right to dislike intensely whatever that he sees unjust or unfit or unclean. When you look at the original languages for that, it also means... Um, to reject or to be an enemy of. And so um, that's kind of in the context there. It's like saying, hey, you know, I, I, I chose, you know, uh, Jacob, but I rejected Esau and Esau is my, my enemy. And, um, and so God's love is overarching all of that, but there are certainly people who uh, God rejects for for whatever reason you know mm-hmm. and we see that throughout and, and even within that the rejection by nature of that he wasn't the chosen person that god wanted to build the nation through right he chose chose jacob and uh and i think there's a part in the new testament and it reminded me of that when jesus says i'm, I'm gonna misquote it so somebody please correct me or if you want to look it up on the fly here that'd be beneficial but he says something like if you um don't like hate your parents or something right. like that like what is that bible yeah. verse I don't know the verse, but it says, you know, anyone who doesn't hate their father, mother, brothers, sisters isn't fit for the kingdom of God. And in that context, it's the same kind of context. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. And, and when that one, hatred means to uh, to love less. You know, exactly. It, it's, it's a prioritization of love. It's not necessarily I hate you, I want you dead, but it's it's I love less. And when you compare my love for God to my love for other things, my love for other things. Uh, 
the, the, there's such a, a dis, you know a distance between them that it almost seems like hatred because my love for God is so overwhelming and overarching. But it doesn't mean that we literally we hate our parents. Hate them. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Exactly. I, I I take it as a, like okay, so like say if you um, your parent it wants you to pull away from God, pull away from Jesus, pull away from the church. It's like, well, are you going to go and pick Jesus or are you going to go and pick your parent who wants you to pull away? I don't know, whatever their reason would be. But that, that's how I'm looking at it. It's like, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow me or are you going to do with your mom? Yeah, and always the way that I read it, because it, it was stark when I read it in the New Testament, is is somewhere between the two of those where it's like, if you are putting, if you're putting anything above God, you, what does it say in the, in the first of the Ten Commandments? For I'm a jealous God, and you will put like any other gods before me, right? And, and, and then the second commandment is about idolatry, that you won't have, have or make idols, right? Yeah. So a lot of things can be an idol, and we see that in other uh, sentences in, in Scripture where it'll say things like greed is idolatry, yeah. right? Or like, you know, like maybe your lust after flesh is your idol, or maybe it's like you can't serve both God and mammon, meaning you can't serve both God and money because you'll love one and you'll hate the other. And there's that hatred coming back in, you know, coming full circle to the differences between love and hate biblically and God's version of that. So it's very different the way humans decide to make language and, and the meanings of words like love and hate versus God's pure, holy definition of love and hatred, right? So in regards to that, that New Testament passage with, you know, hating your parents, if, you, if you're going to exalt your parents above God, of course God's going to have a problem with that. Right. But now do the reversal. Let's do the righteous or the right thing, the correct thing to do, which is to exalt God, and he's set apart. He's holy above everything. If you're following God, what, what's, what's the next in line with the Ten Commandments for, about parents? Honor thy father and, and mother. Honor so. your, yeah, and if you're, so, so if you're following God, everything else falls in line yes. perfectly. Right. So that's, that's just, you gotta, you got to read the whole of Scripture, and then you have to dig a little bit deeper. you got to leave the milk and get to the, the meat and potatoes sometimes to have a full, clear understanding of who God is. And what he means with his word. You go over to verse 6. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices to my altar. Then you ask, how have I defiled your sacrifices? You defile by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. And what is going, and it goes on and on about how they're bringing like, you know, lame animals and stuff. And like Blind now, we, animals and sick yeah. animals. Yeah. We don't do animal sacrifices anymore, but we do stuff where like, okay, so uh, tithing is an example or volunteering. And, and, and the idea is you're supposed to go and give the best of what you have. And some people, they only give what we have left over. Right. Uh, they go, oh, you know, I have a little extra time. Maybe I can help you out. Or I, you know, oh, I uh, got a bonus. So here's a little bit of my bonus from work. You know, it's like, and like, okay. So I'm like thinking about um, holiday shopping. And one of the hardest people that I have to always shop for are, is a parent. Because you want, there's people who they've taken care of you. They've always had your back. You want to take care of them on Christmas. So you spend the most time trying to find them a nice gift, and then you want to make sure that the box is nice. And, you know, they got the, the best-looking box, and you want it brand new and everything. You know, you're not, like, 
oh, I'm just going to go and get them the cheapest thing that they have. I'm going to go to the dollar store on the way to mom's house. So here, mom, here, I bought this for a dollar. You know, you're going to go and you're going to do store brand socks for mom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's the whole thing is like, that's pretty much what God is saying here. It's like, I'm your father. Show me the respect you would show your father. Give me what you have as your best. And then in return, I'll give you the actual best. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a great verse. I had highlighted it too, Ben. I'm glad you brought that up, that starting with six there, you know, where you read a, a, a son honors his father and so on. Yeah. And, and I, I thought about it in terms of myself and in, in, in us today in society. Yeah. Do we honor and respect God and show respect for God? Do we do that? Because, again, r- relating Old Testament to, to today, it's right there. I mean, do we do that? And that's what God is asking. And then where you go on, Ben, and, and you read, uh, I think it's uh, uh, verse uh, 8 there, you know, where the, he's given, you know, you're given you know, blind animals and animals that are crippled and diseased, and, and you make a great point. Are we offering the best that we have? I, I looked up a, a verse. Now, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to pull it up. Romans. 12. 12. Yep. Romans 12. One. I love it, Jeff. Oh, always, always on the same thing. Nice. nice. <laughs> Romans 12. One. Paul says, living sacrifice to God. Here's, the, here's what he says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you, just like you were talking about with your parent. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So you want the relativity, anyone listening here and out there, from Malachi to Romans, to Paul in the New Testament. There it is. Yeah, very profound. I was just going to say that uh, I love in um, Malachi 1, uh, eight, where he says, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is this not evil? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not even that it's disrespectful. It's, a, it's actually an act of evil. Well, you know, they're, it's, they're, it's that they're, offensive. They're playing dumb, you know, the whole time. He's like, well, you haven't, oh, how have we not loved you? Well, you haven't given good, oh, how have we not given you good sacrifices? It's like, like okay, because you're doing, well, well, what is that? You know, it's just like, they're just doing that. And, and one thing for me in my own personal life years ago, um, I am, uh, by my, my natural inclinations is to be a night owl. Um, I like to stay up late and, you know, do everything. And so I always, for, for years, whenever I would read scripture, I would, uh, I would read before I go to bed and every, you know, people would say, Oh, you know, you need to read in the morning. I'm like, it doesn't matter when you read the Bible. And, and I still believe it doesn't matter when you, when you read the Bible, you can read the Bible anytime, uh, that you want to, but. That being said, I found myself, as it would get later and later, I'm like, oh, I really need to get to bed, and so I'm just going to read for a minute or two, and mm-hmm. this and that. And, and it was like, sometimes I would miss, and then when you miss, then it's easy to miss for a week. And and uh, and then this kind of concept here just struck me of uh, God saying, like, well, why aren't you giving me the you know the first fruits of your day? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm giving you the best part of my day. The best part of my day is at night. It's like, no, but I want the first part of your day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I don't want what you think is best. I want you to give me the first part. And, uh, and, and I, you know, probably isn't for everybody. I'm not saying that, you know, we can't read other times. But for me, when I changed that around and said, okay, I'm going to start my day 
with God. I'm going to give him the first part of my day. Man, it made a huge difference. Yeah, in, in my own personal life, just by saying, I'm going to sacrifice um, what is important to me, which is sleep. And, and that is a sacrifice. That is something that's valuable. I'm going to give up that. Maybe it's not the, what I think is the best part of my day because I'm like tired in the morning, whatever. But I'm going to sacrifice this part of the day and I'm going to uh, spend time with, with God and, and whatever else. And so, um, but we, I, you know, I was making, I made excuses for years for not doing it. But and, it's and crazy again, the results you, know, you get when oh, yeah. God tells you something in that still small voice and then you're like, I'm going to apply it. And then it's like, you want to talk about growing your faith or your relationship with God. It's like the results show up when you show up with that, with that kind of a sacrifice, you know? Mm. But anyways, the part I was going to get here about God that, that I love from uh, chapter 1, verse 8, is when he says, present that um, to your governor. Would he accept that or yeah. show you favor? Yeah. So like you're saying, like they're acting all coy and they're playing stupid. Like, what are you talking about? How, how have we done this? And he's like, try that with the governer and see how well that goes for you. Yeah. If, if, in other words, if, if Biden asks you for ice cream, you're <laughs> not going to go. Never heard of You're her. not going to go and get IGA ice cream. I mean, you're going to at least... Yeah. Get some Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. I'm not supporting those two. No, no. I said, see the way they vote. Right? Chocolate, chocolate chip. Biden, I'm not going to bring him up, but let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's just take a, a figure. Even forget the governor. Let's give somebody a name. Let's talk about Herod, king of the Jews. Can you imagine, you know, when he's holding court and you're bringing in something that's less than desirable, less than pleasing, less than perfect him? He'd, he'd have your head cut off. Right. He, he, he did that just because, you know, uh, his, uh, his uh, wife's daughter said, you know, hey, cut John to He'd be done. Right. And, and this is a name we can, we can see this throughout history. You know, if you weren't pleasing to these people, any of these, uh, let's take any Roman emperor. I don't know if you've studied Roman emperors. You guys know that I have because I brought it up many times. They would slice and dice you yeah. if you if you did something displeasing to them. And yet, and yet we're willing to do that to God. It's like the Queen of England. Think about all the products they say, like, you know, buy whatever, you know, uh, you know, this is the official cracker of the Queen of England or, mm -hmm. or whatever. It's like you think that, well, this is going to be the best, you know. Or yeah. If the Queen goes out to eat somewhere, I mean, you know, if a restaurant hears that she's coming, like. Yeah, they're putting on their best. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're not going to bring their, you know, their, the their, their part-time guy in, you know, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> getting the steak with all the grizzle in it. I mean, it's like they're they're going out of their way to offer but then, their best. But then it's talked about here where they go and they offer like these blind and lame animals. It's like, you know, the farmhand comes in. It's like, sir, we got this one cow. He's really beat up. It's like, all right, send him to the priest. Yeah. So sacrifice yeah. him. And it's That's crazy because if you look at the way God views things, it's like he's saying, you won't even put anybody on the same level as me. But now imagine that you're exalting your governor with a better offering to try to butter him up yeah. and you've lowered God's standard it's not even it's not even the same as the governor yeah. so, so so when it says that this is an act of evil you got to you got to try to imagine it from the holy trinity standpoint the, the prodigal son coming home what does the father say tells his servants to get out the best the best lamb or whatever it is get, get, get yeah. the best fatted calf right. get get this it's the same thing and then we find ourselves like like it says in verse nine go ahead and beg go ahead beg Ask God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Yeah. Right? So I find myself so many times not giving even the church my best. Because here's the thing. Like, he's talking to also pre to, to, to the priests. Priests specifically, yeah, priests yeah. specifically right? Yeah, yeah. So they're held responsible for not, like, demonstrating to the people what it looks like to give your best to God. 
right? So one day I will have to answer for where I was lacking, right? And that's, that's, that's really scary for me. So I'm, I'm having to realize that I can either, one, throw up a pity party and beg God to be merciful to me. But if I'm really honest with myself, can I give more to God? Right? And, and I know the answer is definitely. Def- absolutely. Can you imagine, read verse 10. I'm just going to you know, read a couple of clauses there. Uh, we're, again, we're in chapter 1 still, verse 10. And, and it says, How I wish one of you would shut the temple door so these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. Now, listen, as my book says, I, am, I just circled this phrase. I am not pleased with you. Can you imagine God saying that to you or through a prophet or otherwise? I am not pleased with you. And it then hurts. he goes on to say, yeah, well, that be more than that, I'd be a little bit afraid. And then he says, and I will not accept your offerings. And, and I'm thinking, okay. And now verse 11, but my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. Malachi says, God's talking here, of course, all around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, this verse to me, I said, okay, what are we saying here? We're saying that we're seeing exhibition of God's power and might. And to me, it underscores how foolish, how foolish the priests are to serve God haphazardly. And guess what? It also it also serves to show, to underscore how foolish we are to serve God haphazardly. (laughs) It isn't just reading this and we're talking about people a long time ago. No, no, it applies to us. Are we serving God haphazardly? And this is what happens. God is all powerful. You say it's too hard to serve God and you turn up your noses at my commands and say that the Lord, heaven's armies, like, think of it, animals that are stolen and crippled. So like, it's not that difficult to lead an animal that's blind. No, oh, yeah. You're going to tell it where it's going. That's pretty messed up. But imagine it's stolen, too. Holy cow. I'm going like, to steal literally. somebody's animal <laughs> to sacrifice that to the Lord. And not even... Some hard times over there. <laughs> yeah. Like, episode, huh? oh. Yeah. So they're, they're stealing someone else's, and they steal not even their best one. Right. They <laughs> steal their, their blind, cripple one. <laughs> like, well, they're not going to miss it. We're not going to waste it. We're not going to waste a, what a, a that perfectly really good... Say? Animal? If, if, you're, if you think, if they thought that they could get away with just, you know, I'm not giving them my good, good I'm not going to give sacrifices. I don't believe that anything's happening. I'm just going to put this defective animal. It's got only three legs or it's got one eye missing, whatever it was, right. or it's diseased. And what do we think we could get away with? What are we trying to get away with when we don't give God, as you said before, Ben, when you read that, when we, when you read the one, uh, uh, one eight, when we don't give God our best, what are we trying to get away with? And we given that same thing. Yeah, let me. I'm going to keep this for me because this is my, you know, my first fruits. But yeah, right. Let me just throw this in the offering there. What are we trying to get away with, folks? Well, what is the role of a priest for God? What is it? How would you guys answer that? Yes. Right. 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 Once a year, the priest could enter the Holy of Holies, right, right? In, in the tabernacle, basically, and go be, and say, and plead with God, you know, these are the sacrifices for the sins of the people. And it was sort of the administrator, right? It was the, exactly. It's like the pastor, if you will, right? Now, now this is Malachi 2. I'm going to jump down into Malachi 2, because this is very powerful. 
we know that in, in scripture it says that, you know, teachers will be held to a higher standard. Now we're going to see the same thing happen with priests. Malachi 2. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart, to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. So he's going to not only curse you, but he's going to curse your blessings. So think about what are the blessings in your life? Is that your health? Is that your finance? Is that your loved ones? Is that your land? Is it your property? Is, like, what, what, what are the blessings that you, I mean, they're countless, aren't they? How, how God's abundance. So now he's going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove my hand of protection from you, and now I'm going to allow you to have it your way. Mm -hmm. it's, it's Even scary. though it wasn't for something allegedly evil done by this person, who do right. I think of? Job. Everything you just mentioned, John, it took away everything from him. All of those things. Mm. And he did it to a good person. Mm. I mean, there was reasons for that, because you know, we, we discussed that, and maybe we'll do that again. But To continue on into two, though, right? Indeed, I have already cursed them. Because you do not um, lay it to heart, behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you should be taken away with it. That's, that's harsh language from a prophet. That's harsh yep. language in the word of God where he's saying, basically, if you want to bring me crap, I'm going to rub your face in the crap, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to throw you out with the crap. I'm going to actually rebuke your offspring, so your, your children. Mm -hmm. That's, not, that's not so only, powerful. Not only that, but to, as you, 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 you may know, to to say that to rub your face with dung was a was a major insult. Back super then. disrespectful. I suppose it would be super disrespectful today too, and it wouldn't smell too good. <laughs> but, but back then, that was a major insult. I mean, that was that was at the the top for insult. In Malachi one uh, at the end of uh, verse fourteen, curses the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a de defective one of the Lord. For I am a great king. Well. Speaking of, like, you know, done and all that stuff, for me, like, yes, I am a pastor at church, and believe me, when sin tries to creep into my life, I have this visual as if, like, I'm in the bathroom, right, and I feel like I'm hiding from God, but there's a window, and he's watching me use the dang bathroom. I'll let you fill in the blank, right? Like, he's watching me, literally watching me sin, right? So, who am I really hiding from, right? So who am I going to answer to? Yes, yeah, this is what I do. Uh, this, is what, this is my life calling. But I always try to hold myself to that regard, right? Because I have to answer to God. Yeah. You, you know what that verse <laughs> reminds me of? I, when I, I haven't been to New York in a while because I don't choose to go there. But when I did on the street corner, with the verse you just read there, uh, you, you, you promise to give a fine ram and and then you sacrifice a defective one instead. And I remember these guys on the street corner, maybe you've seen them, they're playing the shell game with oh, you, man. you know, and they'll, you know, they say, you know, first they let you win and then, you know, they go back like this uh, with the oh, shell. Yeah, three card monty, baby, yeah, let's three, go. Yeah, three card monty, whatever it is, but, but it's, it's this thing, it's, it's, it's making me think that way, but uh, uh, you, you know, the, okay, I'm going to give you this, but no, really, I'm going to pull it back from you. And that's what, you, what you're saying there, uh, Lenny, what you just read there, that, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to say that I'm giving you this fine sheep, you know, this fine ram, but really, you know, I'm playing a shell game, and I'm, I'm really putting in a defective one. That's what it makes it, me it's think. It's a big deal to offer a, a spotless lamb or, or your best ram for a sacrifice. Yeah. You go back to um, Abraham, and he's taking Isaac up for the sacrifice, and he says, where's the sacrifice? And what does Abraham say? He says, God will provide the sacrifice. And then what do we see caught in the thorn bush? A ram. A ram. 
and that's a type or a shadow of Jesus coming, just like the Passover lamb, mm -hmm. right? Just like John the Baptist says, here's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, could you imagine if God didn't offer Jesus, if it, was a, if it wasn't a sufficient sacrifice for all of our atonement? Where would we be? We would still be lost. So you can understand God's standard for things are so important that we offer him the best because he offers us the best. Mm -hmm. he, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty even Stephen when it comes to things like this. He says, the way that you judge people, well, that's the way we're going to measure and judge you then. He <laughs> says, you know, how can you help somebody if, when they have a speck in their eye, when they have a log in their own? Yeah. <laughs> Lord have mercy, right? <laughs> what do you got to say, Mark? I was thinking about, like, towards the end, I obviously haven't read this whole book, but you guys were saying it was one of the last prophets before the New Testament. The last, yeah. <laughs> the last. So <clears throat> I think at this point, from what I've been hearing, that, like, there was nothing left to sacrifice in that. God needed to sacrifice his son for our sins because mm. the whole act of like, you know, atonement or whatever you call it, like you got to give something for, like that's an impossible cycle. So I don't know if there was nothing left but defective lambs or, mm. you know, blind sheep, like, but like to keep sacrificing things for something that we needed a savior for in the name right. of Christ, like it was like, like God's, plan was working or you know he had to do something in the, you know in the new testament which he did but like it's an impossible feat to just keep sinning and repenting and sinning and repenting mm -hmm. and expecting to get out of the i don't know the trap i guess yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it. you're exactly right mark though the 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 animals and in, in the sacrifices were under mosaic law and that was the old testament jesus christ his his suffering for us, his blood on the cross eliminated all that. This is the new covenant which Jesus spoke of and which God said was coming. And so we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to, as you said, you know, continue to do this, continue to do this. We don't have to do that. Our, our sins have been atoned for by Jesus Christ from the way I see it. It's like God's just fed up with it at this point. They, they probably stopped. They didn't want to, like, sacrifice any more good rams. They were probably like, guys, like, what are we doing here? Like, those over there are like, we don't ever choose those anyways to eat, right? We don't ever choose those to give to the governor or anybody else. So then why don't we just start using those over there? Well, think, think about this, and I, I just, it just came into my head. Maybe you guys have already thought about it, but just as I mentioned Jesus Christ, and, and you're talking about the imperfect, we're talking about the imperfect sacrifices that were given here that they tried to, <coughs> excuse me, cheat God and yet God gave the perfect sacrifice. Yeah. I'm just thinking yeah. of it as I'm, th as I'm talking about saying yeah. He gave the perfect. He didn't, he didn't welch on it. He didn't say, you know what? I'm not going to give my son. Let me just give some, uh, you know, some figment of that. Or, he gave lamb his that's best. blind that I stole from yeah. somebody. Yeah. He didn't do that. He, he gave, gave best. The, the best that you could possibly give in spite of the fact that all this time. Exactly. We're it's it's we're, almost like he's saying, okay, guys, you don't get this. All you're doing is giving me these jacked up animals. I'll show you how to do a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Here's the sacrifice. Bam. The perfect spotless lamb, the, the lamb of God who takes away the sins mm -hmm. of the what, world. What does he say in Amos? He's like, I don't want any more of your fatty yeah. rams. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's like the, the offerings that you're making, it's, it stinks to me. I don't, yeah. don't want to hear your songs of worship yeah. because your hearts aren't in the right place. Right. And that's what this yeah. always comes back down to is it's a heart issue. Like our our hearts clean. God doesn't want your good deeds. Mm. He he doesn't need your good deeds. You try mm. to you try to make a deal with God. Oh God, if you just get me <laughs> this new job, trying to barter with yeah, God. Yeah. yeah, if you get me this new job, if you give me some, if you do something, then I'll give to church or then I'll help out here. It's like 
God doesn't want your deal. He doesn't need your deal. No. He's got it all. What he wants is your heart. Right. And that's what you can freely offer him. Mm -hmm. And it better be a clean heart. Right. You know what I mean? It better be that spotless offering. As we read in Romans there. And and, and his deal is like, how about you give me your heart and you don't go to eternal punishment. I'll keep it beating for you, right? It's like, like, here's the deal, guys. It's a (laughs) win-win, by the way. So Malachi 2.7, right? This is this goes back to like what is a priest's role, and this specifically answers one aspect of a, of a priest's role, which obviously they're failing at being priests here, hardcore. But um, Malachi two seven, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So the, the name Malachi means messenger, right? So every priest is a Malachi. Every priest is someone who's guarding knowledge. So what does it mean to even guard knowledge? It means to stop it from being polluted, right? Oh, Someone yeah. twisting the scriptures, sure. changing the doctrine, sure. you know, uh, changing the law that it's not your best ram to maybe a blind or a lame or a sick or a crippled one. Help right? people. I read, I read that verse, that seven you just read there, chapter two, seven that you just read, Johnny, and, and it struck me again that we need to take our relationship with God seriously and meaningfully. And these priests weren't doing that. And again, I, I ask myself questions. Am I doing that? Am I taking this as seriously as I'm supposed to and, and is it meaningful to me? And, and again, going back to what I just said before, God offered his son the perfect, as Jews said, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice. And why? Why deserve that? Why, why do we get that? You know, why do we get that when all through history here through the Bible and right up till to now, up till now, all we've done is, if anything, offer imperfect sacrifices, if we've even done that. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Romans, the it goes right back that. to yeah, Romans 12 right, right, right there. It goes right back to that. I know, so, John. So yeah, it's do exactly we deserve right. it? He's saying, I urge you, therefore, I urge you, knowing this information now, Go and be this. Go and do it. Like James says, don't fool yourself just by reading the scriptures or hearing them, but go and do it. It's because they started to love their sin. They didn't hit it anymore. Yeah, so Malachi 2, 8, to keep going with where I I left off with 7. So, again, this is about the priest. But you have turned aside from the way. Who is the way? Jesus. Exactly. Tell him what he's won. Right, you know? He's the way, the truth. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble, stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So think about that. Imagine being a priest and getting people to stumble. And not only is it your job to guide them, but now you're the cause of their... So they are seeking you for wisdom, and you've caused them to stumble because you haven't guarded the knowledge. Well, you know, um, a lot of this stuff, I mean, I think the the relationship to today, I mean, even within this, um, when we speak God's word to other people and we try to bring guidance, correction, encouragement... Uh, whether it's in a, in a large context as, you know, preaching or whether it's on an individual context, it's like, are we, are our instructions ever causing somebody to stumble? You know, and that's where we need to make sure that, that we are rooted in God's word. So that way the words that we say can be edifying and, and build up the church. And, and just back to, to one uh, for a moment there, um, and I believe it was in 10, he says, you know, how, how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so these worthless sacrifices couldn't be offered. And then, you know, back over here talking about the, the priests, like you were saying, and 
saying how they're leading people astray. And, and it just, you know, I just kind of bring that into the modern days. It's like, you know, if he says, hey, you know, I, I wish you, I, I wish you just close your churches because you guys are doing more harm than good, you know. Um, and it's like, how, how often do we see that in this world? How, how so many churches, how they have um, no longer preaching God's word in its fullness. And, and even, even in ourselves, it's like, when, do we ever come to a point like, like what is a sacrifice that we are potentially jipping God on? Like, you know, he says, you know, hey, we, we, we sacrifice our time, our energy, our resources, our passions, our desires. And are we bringing God second rate sacrifices? Not that he demands it in the same way, obviously, mm -hmm. as it was demanded in Malachi. But what are we bringing to God? Are we giving him the best that we have? Are we giving him our passions, our energies, our, our emotions mm -hmm. to be wow. used for his will? Are we... Uh, teaching people God's word in a way it's like like I said I, I mean I look at the the state of the uh, church overall in our country and it seems like I mean th there's obviously some churches that are doing great things for the gospel but but there's some that are just they're just going you know into catering towards say politics or catering towards mm -hmm. this or that or whatever or, years bro like, right. are you yeah. kidding me yeah. right and, and it's like we they they've they've come down they've they've dumbed things down so far and uh and again it's like at some point it's like it's like god saying you know you're doing more harm than good for crying out loud you know and then obviously he steps in as mark pointed out and sent his son jesus to, to pay the ultimate sacrifice but I think it's just challenging, um, you know, even just to, to me personally to think, okay, well, what what areas that I sacrifice to God am I actually bringing a good sacrifice or am I bringing a sacrifice that is not worth very much at all? Mm. You know, it, it's uh, it's just something challenging to look at. Like I said, the, the t whether it's for me, it was the, the time of the day or maybe it's like Ben was saying, in in generosity, it's like, are we, you know, are, in which that digs in later here in in Malachi. But are we giving the the first fruits? You know, when when I when I get paid, am I giving the first fruits of my uh, proceeds to God, or am I waiting to say, well, let me see what I have left over at the end of the month? Or you know, with my my energy, am I saying, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna schedule my service to God before I schedule everything else? Of, of pleasure and vacations and time and whatever am I am I putting God at the first priority of my life or is it like oh you know what this month booked up so I can't really go and serve God the way I I wanted to or you know hey you know what I feel like God's called me to to um, it's cold you know I'm gonna go give some some jackets to to people who are you know uh, homeless and in in need so let, let me oh you know what here's an old ratty coat i was gonna give i was gonna throw this away anyway i might as well give it to somebody it's like you know it's like or are we saying you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give the best that i have you know so if we're being canada if we're being honest like what you're gonna say say something what <laughs> no. canada goose yeah, yeah goose down <laughs> if i was honest with myself even when like i was challenged to tithe like if i saw that number in my bank account it was already hard to give with that number mind you I'm going to give when there's less in there. I'm going to see a less amount. I'm going to be like, I don't want to give from that because it's less, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, 
I don't know. It's 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 one of those things like uh, like Malachi chapter two verse eight. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction, and that that verse in Malachi just makes me think of different types of gospels that are being preached, right? So you have the prosperity gospel, which is the one that seems to be the most popular these days, these mega churches, and it's, you know, God wants you to be rich and famous and healthy and, and all these things, right? And it's like, that, that's, a, that's a gospel other than the one that has been given to us by Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then what, is, what does that say um, in the New Testament? Galatians 1. Even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. Some transliterations say, let him be cursed. We've already said this, and I'll say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than... So how many of these priests, you know, quote-unquote... You're seeing Malachi write this how many thousands of years ago? Fast forward to modern day, how is the Old Testament relevant? We have the same thing happening today, but on a way grander scale, because picture, picture back then if someone's doing it. Maybe maybe got a crowd. Maybe they're in an amphitheater. But look at these mega churches that we have that have access to television, radio, mm. websites, dot coms, and then on top of that, the internet. People can just go and watch all the stuff on YouTube or well, live streams. They're reaching so many people with these false gospels that are other than the true gospel of Jesus Christ—the good news of victory that Jesus died for our sins, being that spotless ram or lamb sacrifice, so that we could have relationship with God. It's just. When I read Malachi like this, I just get all I get all worked up. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, yeah. we ha- we have to be on guard for a number of things, but one of them is, and you know, not to be political, but our society we talked about it before here has become secular, and it, it it may be some of those churches you're talking about. And I'm not here to castigate them or excoriate them, but uh, uh, some of those churches or other false preachers, as Paul referred to in Galatians, Johnny, that you just read are trying to mislead us purposely or to mislead people purposely, uh, you know, in a, with, in a smooth and unctuous manner, uh, you know, take them away from what true religion is. And that's what is going on here, what true faith is, what true belief in God is. And that is what's going on in our society today. And we have to be aware of it. We have to be on guard. And each of us, and, and not only the pastors, but each of us has to be an emissary for the truth, for the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus Christ, or who is Jesus Christ, because I believe that's happening. I'm watching everywhere I read, everywhere I look, it's, you know, they, they, they meaning this, this element of our society, whatever you want to call them, whatever tag you want to want to put on it, and I won't say what, what they're called, but they're just trying to pull us out of the pull religion, pull faith out of our society, and just make it a a, a brave new world type society, if you've read that, or 1984, to, and, and just have it state controlled. They won't be it. So that's what's going on, maybe with those churches. I don't know, but I do know that the governments of certain countries are doing that, and they're doing it methodically to us. Yeah, to what Judah said, though, what Malachi, just in this first, you know, Malachi 1 and 2, we barely scratched the surface, and it's like God is revealing to us, it's like a mirror. Are we those priests? Right. Like, like, are we offering our first fruit? Are are the best of you know? So to answer that honestly, it's humbling. You like, you look at it and you're like, oh man, maybe I'm not giving enough time. Maybe I'm not giving enough money. Maybe I'm not giving. And again, it's it, he, God doesn't need your money. What He wants is this moment where you're reflecting internally and you're being sanctified. You're being washed in the Word, and you're humbling yourself, which is the the opposite of what we innately have, which is our pride which we said is a root sin, which we know is a root sin. So God's word is actually washing us now. It's actually humbling us to the point where we're like, 
I could do better for God, and I know it deep down, right? But you don't have to sit there in that sorrow feeling bad with that sinking feeling in your chest because once you acknowledge that, what is God's will for your life? It's your sanctification. That's right. And if you're being washed in the word, then you're being sanctified. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you can actually rejoice because you're going to do, hopefully, you're going to do the righteous thing, which right. is the correct thing, which right. is pleasing to the Lord. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're, 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 right. You're, you're, we're not going to give defective so, sacrifices. So, I, so now you could, be, you could have that joy we talked about. You do a sermon on Sunday. we can get there. And when we speak of tithing, and Lenny, you brought it up, you know, you look in your bank account there. I think if not the last word on it, close to the last word on tithing and what to do and what you should do. And, you know, thanks to Judah, I know this. It's, I, I encourage you once again, I've said it to you before, if, I don't, if you don't get it, I'll buy five copies or six copies. God and money. That's it, title, right, Judah? Yeah. God and money. That is the word on tithing right there. You read those two guys that wrote that book, and you will, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Judah turned me on to it. I still have the book. I still refer to it. And I'm trying to emulate what's in there. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is my simple understanding of tithing. It was part of the old contract, the old testament, the the old covenant. And we have this new covenant where we give from a joyful heart, from a place where we want to give. And like for me personally, this is the way that I give. I give from a place where I'm happy to give. Yeah. Not where I'm like oh man, I have to give 10% or whatever. Like we don't, we don't live under the law. We live under grace. And because of that blessing of God's grace, I'm more than happy to give when I give. I'm like, this, this, this is the best thing ever. I get to, I get to be a part. This is the best investment ever. Yeah. Forget about anything on wall street. You know what I mean? Like this isn't a club. There's no dues. Yeah. yeah. Like, Judy, you were telling me like somebody was saying like, oh, I'd love to come to your church, but I just paid my dues for the next six months or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. People. Like it's a gym membership. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so and, sad. And, and I think I think uh, you know we'll, we'll jump deeper into that conversation because I think it, it deserves oh, yeah. you know uh, um, clarification. Yeah, and, and to, to, to 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 <laughs> dig into that um, deeper. But I, I want to bring back to this uh, sacrifice thing for for just a moment before we close. And it's just I think really what this is unveiling is an attitude of the heart and an attitude of love, right? Because uh, if, if you want to do something for somebody that you love and you care for, for the most part, you're going to do the best that you can do with the resources that you have, right? And now, now all of us, that may be different, right? I mean, it's like, if I'm gonna get a gift for, for my kids, you know, I may not have the resources of somebody else and um, or you may not have the resources of me. So our best may look different, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to get you the best that I can sure. with the resources. You know, yeah. for example, um, Johnny had this brilliant idea. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe six, eight months ago. Where, where Shake he, down everybody by their ankles? No, no. Where, 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 where he decided that, that he wanted to, to Next. Te- teach his girls how to, how to skateboard, right? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> so so went, and went, went out and, uh, and, and but, you, you know, you could have went to, Walmart and got a skateboard off the shelf there, which, but you, you went and you got a decent skateboard, right? And, oh, yeah. and then you went out and proceeded to, to injure yourself. Break my ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's part of my testimony. God healed yeah. my ribs after yeah. everybody had <laughs> for him. So, yeah. but, um, but, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's like when we do something for ourselves or when we do something for, for others, you know, it's like, uh, we are we want the, the best yeah. that we can afford. Yes. Right and and there was a an old a movie several years back and, and I don't really remember the the context or what the name of the movie was it was a foreign film and probably couldn't find it if you wanted to but it was the story of uh, 
of a, a Jewish family celebrating uh, uh, Sukkoth, the festival of shelters. And, and in part of that festival, you have these different elements that you use in this element. And one of them is a citron. And a citron is, is similar to a lemon, I suppose. But, um, but this guy, I mean, he saw this citron in this market and he just felt that he should get it. The problem of it was is it was a ceremonially acceptable citron. It was like $900 for this one, you know, thing. And so he just like saved up for it and he worked for it and he finally gets this. And it's just like, it's an honor for him to be able to use this in a ceremony. And, and through that, he ends up helping some guy that's kind of down and out and the guy ends up eating the thing. It was, it was kind of a kind of strange, you know, uh, movie, but, but it just, but it shows the heart though. Right. Is it's like, if I'm going to, I'm not going to give something. Well, David, he was going to go and he wanted to buy a piece of land and he wanted to, to offer sacrifices to God. And he went there and the guy was like, you know what? You're the King. Just take the land. And David said, I'm not going to offer a sacrifice that didn't cost me anything, you know? And it's just like this whole mentality of it's like, I want it to cost me something, cost? Right. you know, I, I want to, I want to extravagantly huh. serve God. There's a legend and I don't know if it's true or not. I've tried to uh, verify it and I can't find actual evidence, but even just the legend is, is beautiful in a sense that, um, that there was supposedly some cathedral that they found and uh and through it they had to do some renovations or maybe there was some damage to the building or something like that and so they're pulling down kind of the walls or the walls are crumbling something to that effect and inside the walls they see uh paintings that have been slid into the walls and then plastered over and and they started looking into it and uh, and there was like a note on it and it basically said something to the uh um to the extent of for god's eyes only and it was these artists who painted these beautiful paintings. They slid them in the walls of the church as they were being completed, not to be seen by any other person, but they just did it for the glory Get of God. The gift of God, yeah. you know. And it's just like, and then they like, come around now and they ruin. Yeah, them. and they take it. Like, wow, let's take these <laughs> Look on at this. display and let's know? sell it in yeah. the church. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you like that. There's that story of like it's the the couple, that's the poor couple, and you got like uh, I forget like they each had something that they were missing. Like I think like the, gift like, the magi. Oh, Henry. Yeah, oh, Henry. She had a... Well, you might as well not if you know it. Go ahead. Well, well, do, do you know the story or do you... Do you... I, I don't remember the particulars, but I know the story. Yeah. You saw the Mickey had, Mouse version. She had, a, uh, she had long, beautiful hair and she wanted a hairbrush, but she couldn't afford it. They were both poor. And he had a watch and he needed a fob to go with it. And the end of the story is, I mean, it's a beautiful story, short story by O. Henry is the author. She ends up cutting her hair off to get the fob for him. He ends up pointing his watch to get the brush for her. Yeah. So when they presented each other with the gifts at Christmas, well, you obviously know, and it's a story of love and, yeah. you know, what you would do to sacrifice. Or not being able to communicate. Now you have the end of the story. Yeah. Well, no, when I look at that, and I'm glad you brought that up, it's a beautiful story around Christmas time, and it's read in a lot of places. And, and so... It's giving again what we're talking about here. It's actually relevant, very relevant, Ben, because it's yeah. it's they gave the perfect 
sacrifice each of them did. Right. She gave her long, beautiful hair. She had it cut so she could buy, you know, the perfect sacrifice so she can get that fob for his watch. But anyway. And she made and she made out in a deal because her hair will grow back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. His watch won't grow back. <laughs> no, but you're but hold on, before we close up though, but what you're saying is is like you have to have something to lose to offer to God for it to be meaningful, right? And isn't that the heart of fasting, right? Mm-hmm. Like we fast because we're denying our flesh. Yeah. What it wants, mm-hmm. yeah. so that we can be closer and grow closer and spend more time with God. You know, it's and I think those those uh, they mirror each other. The idea of the joyful giver versus the tithing, as well as the you know you're you're omitting pleasure from your life from your yeah. flesh, so that you can give that to God instead. Well, and and, and just to kind of take that a step further, because there's yeah, I mean, I, I could I could joyfully give a dollar to the kingdom of God, right? But it's no sacrifice, and so I think that's where. Now, now gives us the opportunity because, you know, as, as we dig deeper into this, because for some people, quite frankly, giving 10% is not a sacrifice. And so what is a sacrifice for somebody who makes a million dollars a year? What's a sacrifice? You know, it is, and, and 90, so, 90%. well, and so that's, that, that's the premise that I think Dave was getting at before was that, you know, yeah, we, we, we can look at 10% and that's old Testament, you know, covenant, um, and I think that New Testament actually raises the bar mm-hmm. of saying, yes, of saying, yeah. give what's a sacrifice. Right. Give, give out of your your best, not out of your you know, you know whatever you we, can. We need you, know. you to give. Yeah, give yeah, to yeah. it yeah. hurts. Yeah, give yeah. to. But it. you know what's crazy is it's the it's the thing about the joy you get when you have that kind of understanding of who God is right. and what God will do with that with that money and how you're a part of the how how He makes it work. You know, it's, I think that's awesome. And then with this latest inflation, you actually get to see just how worthless money really is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Start going, going back to giving crops again. So yeah. I see next door that they sell wheelbarrows. So we, you all might want to buy one so that you could fill it with money so you could buy bread in six months. Yeah. You're blaming yeah. Joe Biden, but the truth is, is that it's the Federal Reserve, those, <laughs> those crooks. Yeah. Ben, you are referring to World War II. That's what happened in Germany. The Myanmar uh, Republic, they, yes. They had to use wheelbarrows of money to go get mm. bread, a loaf of bread, yes. It would be literally, you would sit down for dinner, and the price of your dinner might double or triple by the time your dinner's over. And that's how stupid mm. humans are because money doesn't grow on trees, but food grows on trees. Right. Yeah, 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 that's true. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't know. If I, yeah, one last thing on that inflation thing. Inflation, I, this was when Robert Mugabe was still the dictator in Zimbabwe, and we were in Zimbabwe for a while on safari and our guide you know i was i collect money with my son just different i may have told you guys this already and i still have it i gotta bring it in one time and so he had a he had a a a, a billion dollar note and i said oh that's pretty cool and it was brand new. i said I'll, I'll give you i gave him like five dollars america 40 he says yeah 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 okay and i took it and then he says well i have this and he shows me and he goes he's got a hundred billion dollar note <laughs> and i said hundred billion he goes yeah he goes that'll be able to buy you a cup of coffee and i said Okay, and then I look on it, and I'll, like I said, if I can find out, bring it in. I look on it, <laughs> just what you were saying, and, and, and it has an expiration date. It expired six months from, or three months from the time that I had it. I go, I go, your money has an expiration date on it, expires. And, the, and, and, and what you guys are talking about with the inflation in, in Germany there, 
it is just outrageous there. I'm thinking, oh my well, god. One of these countries, I think South American countries, just decided to like Venezuela. Dro yeah, drop several zeros or something like that because yeah. they're like, we're tired of spending billions for for bread. We're gonna drop some zeros on this. It was house. actually horrific what so. happened in Venezuela. They, they went from being one of the richest countries, if not the richest yeah. country, to being like destitute poor. Yeah. It was last brutal. political comment. Yeah. That's socialism yeah. for yeah, you. Yeah, that was yeah. that was so, socialism. Yeah. So we are we are totally off the rails at yeah, this point. Let's yeah. So, yeah well, these, these countries, they re and one more. <laughs> they reevaluate their money, and they'll go and they'll say like, okay, uh, North Korea has done this a bunch of times. So they'll go and say, okay, we're going to reevaluate all the money, and uh, you could trade it all in, and um, but we're only going to allow you to trade in like twenty thousand. Uh, you know, I forget uh, um, won. That's what they use, twenty thousand won or yeah. whatever. And that means that anything you have over that is now null and void. You're talking about like with the expiration date on the on the bills. It's that's like. Fine. And that's, you know, they do that because they want you to spend it. Everybody ask yourself, uh, does my soul have an expiration date? <laughs> you can either, you can go to heaven or you could uh, go somewhere else. <laughs> well, and even the money in the United States is eventually going to have an expiration date. This yeah, country they have, will they have not to last forever. in order to usher in the mark of the beast system in Revelation, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. If, you, if you read Revelation, what is it, 9? It says that you won't be able to perform commerce, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, and it says, what, there's 144,000 people that will be sealed with, like, the mark of, of God. And then the rest of the world. So 7.8 billion people roughly on Earth right now. That's like not even 1% is 144,000. So 144,000 essentially are not going to take the mark of the beast. How crazy is that? And without well, without the mark yeah. of the beast, well, that's what the scripture says. Yeah, well, I mean, it doesn't quite say it like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we, we, we can get into that more. But anyhow, that being said, let, let, let's end this discussion on Malachi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let, we got through about a chapter and a half. So let's continue here. In Malachi for for next week we'll continue reading this uh, several times and say six seven times um, for next week we'll pick back up obviously there's still a lot more to uh, to go here we kind of barely scratch the surface so we'll, we'll continue this and pick back up next week well we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the thriving in the word podcast we invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast also consider sharing it on social media we can't wait to be back together with you at the thriving in the word podcast